0: episode of between you and me it's alex and we are now officially halfway through this season i hope you guys didn't miss me too much for our mid-season break last week i didn't post an episode but we're back and we're in the second half of the season and i just want to say this season for me mentally has not because of the podcast itself just this portion of my life while creating this season has been such an interesting, interesting time point for me. This chapter of my life has been so exhausting and difficult and really intense in terms of my inner world. Everything in my exterior world is literally exactly the same, okay? So, I just want you guys to, like, know I'm okay, but my inner world, meaning my mental health, my emotions, my, like, mentality has gone through such a, like, 360 loop over, I want to say, like, the past couple months, and it has been such an interesting and difficult journey, and I am still, like, in the process of it. I'm still, like, going through all of my emotions, going through all of, like, working on my mental health. Um, I started going to therapy more frequently, like, there's just a lot that's going on. So, I feel like this kind of all intertwines very well with what episode we're focusing on right now, which is, I haven't decided my title, something to do with happiness. Recently, I've been reading a lot more than I normally do, and not fiction books, which I hope one day to be able to get into more fiction books because I have some waiting for me, but I've been reading a lot of quote-unquote self-help books, and reason being is because I feel like I need help, okay? Mentally, I need guidance and I've been trying to pull at whatever resources I have, right? Like I said, I've been going to therapy more. I've been, um, Reading more of these books, I've been talking more to people around me. I've really been pulling on my resources to help me, which I encourage you guys to do if you are also going through a hard time right now when it comes to your mental health. Um, because kind of staying where you're at and not doing anything about it is just going to leave you exactly where you're at, you know what I mean? So, the one thing about me is when times like these happen, that's when I pull up my resources the most. So, like I said. I've been reading a lot. One of the books that I've been reading and actually have finished in the past month is the 30 day workout for strengthening happiness. It's called The Inner Gym. And funny story is that my friend Margot, my long distance best friend, she had sent me this book over a year ago, ordered it on Amazon, got it delivered to me when I was kind of at a low mental state and she's like you really need to read this I started this book it's so great it really focuses on meditation and it teaches you a lot of things to you know apply to your life and I think that you'll really benefit from it I'm like oh my god thank you I thought it was just the sweetest gesture her sending me a book I think I all I did was like read the back of the book and get an idea of like what the book was going to be like I'm looking at it right now I probably read the preface which is one page long And, um, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Preface? Preface? Not too sure. Anyways, I read that. It's a couple pages long, and then it got into the actual juice of the book. When I read the preface, please don't laugh at me if I'm saying that word wrong. It's one of those things that you only read and you never say out loud. Um, when I read that, I realized, okay, this book takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of, you know, mental strength to do these practices every single day because it's one of those books you write in, you write your progress, and you need to focus on meditating every single day. And I was like, um, I don't think I have the capacity to start it right now. I wasn't really in the mood, so I left that book for months and months, years actually, until last month. I was like, holy shit, okay, wait. This is when I started to kind of go into my very anxious mindset and i'm sure you guys got that grasp from the episodes i've been posting and i'm like hey you know what i need to read this book i kind of want to pull on my resources like i said before started this book finished it i want to say a couple weeks ago and i learned a lot from it so i want to talk to you guys about my experience working with this book what i learned and what it kind of taught me throughout the whole entire process because it, it was a really, really eye-opening book, and I think you guys could definitely benefit from what I gained from it, okay? Now, obviously, I'm not going to be regurgitating the book to you guys. I'm going to be talking about my experience, so if you want to go and get the book, try it out for yourself. It's on Amazon. You guys can buy it. I'm sure you could probably go into a bookstore, maybe, potentially, and get it as well. Like I said, it's called The Inner Gym. I forgot to give my little introduction. I got really into this um, beginning of the episode, but Don't forget to buy the merch. I want to say that quick before we get into it. Um, All the links for it will be like in the description, the show notes, and on my Instagram at Between You and Me podcast. Okay, cool. Now, back to what I was saying. The concept of this book itself is basically the idea that happiness is not a choice. A lot of the times we hear in, you know, social media, or I'm probably sure I've said it myself before, that we can choose to be happy. We can choose our emotions. We can choose to focus on positivity. We can choose da, da 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 There's levels to this. There's levels to the idea of choosing happiness. I don't think you can necessarily choose one day to be happy, but I think, and the premise of this book also agrees, with a thought process that... You can strengthen certain inner muscles, quote-unquote. You can strengthen certain habits, routines, and ways of living throughout your day that will allow you to, in turn, feel more happy. So it's not like it's a result of certain outcomes in your life, like making more money or falling in love or being successful. It's because those are, like, dopamine fixes that are not really sustainable. They will make you happy, right? But they won't make you happy over a long, long-term period. So, the idea is that real, true happiness is achieved when you practice several habits that allow you to create a more stable happiness. So, throughout these 30 days, I followed the book. I did exactly what it told me to do. Um, I meditated for 30 days, which is crazy, okay? Because I'm a dabbler in meditation. I do it Only when I'm feeling more anxious and then when my anxiety lifts, I'm like, cool, I'm good. Um, I don't maintain meditation, but it felt like I had this like responsibility to do it while um, I was doing this book. So I literally probably only forgot two times in a span of 30 days, but in those time frames, I just like counted that day as like a skip and then, so technically I did 32 days total, you know what I mean? So basically, I want to run you through what I learned. And the very first teaching of this book, which I already talked about a little bit just now, is the idea of meditation. Like I said, meditation, it's not my strong suit. It's not something that I've mastered. And I also feel like when you tell people to meditate when they don't meditate, haven't meditated, don't really know how to do it, it seems like, weirdly enough, a very daunting thing to do. A very, like, almost stressful thing to think about because at least for me, the thought of like sitting still with your thoughts, emotions, like everything that's running through your head for like 10 minutes, five minutes was like freaky. I'm like, I don't really want to do that. Like when you're struggling for the most part. I could just be speaking for myself. This could be like a universal thing. When you're struggling, the last thing you want to do is pay attention to what you're thinking. Pay attention to what you're struggling with. A lot of the times, I know I'm guilty of distraction and I'm guilty of suppressing whatever it is that I'm worried about thinking about and That comes with, you know, binging TV shows, staying like completely and utterly stimulated like all the time. Like if I don't have a TV show playing, I'm listening to music. If I don't have music playing, I'm listening to a podcast. If I don't have something in front of my face to distract me, I'm sleeping, you know? Like I need to be distracted at all times because I don't feel okay when I'm focusing on what it is that's affecting my inner world, whether it be anxiety, depression, um overthinking rumination whatever so the thought process of meditation is scary (laughs) at least that's how I felt but if you guys are not too aware I'm sure a lot of you are so I'll keep this part brief but what meditation really is is the act of practicing being present in the moment and not needing your thoughts to disappear completely but instead allow them to come and go and to connect to them. Now, this was like, once I learned that, I was like, okay, 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 It's not as spooky, although it is still a bit spooky because you have, like, the capacity to be there and noticing these thoughts, and sometimes it's not as easy as letting those thoughts drift off, which is, like, the act of meditation. It's sometimes harder to do that, and you do end up, like, really interacting with those thoughts, connecting to them, feeling the emotion of them, when in a perfect world, the goal of meditation is to allow those thoughts to flow past and not connect to them and not give them meaning and not allow your mind to judge those thoughts. So what I learned during that period of meditation is that for me, it's much, much harder to meditate and to focus on letting go of thoughts when your inner world is very chaotic. And what I mean by that is when your thoughts are running rampant, when you're ruminating a lot, when you're focused on maybe one subject in your life and the thoughts feel like they're never ending, and then you actually feel like a physical outcome of those thoughts, whether it's anxiety, whether it's just stress, whether it's depression, whether it's like you actually feel like physically ill because you're thinking about things too much. Like your thoughts have a lot of power over you if you allow them to, and I was struggling a lot with that at the beginning when it came down to my anxiety. It was like I couldn't even focus on the thought of meditation when my body felt very anxious and my mind was very anxious. So it was really hard, although I kept doing it. And I realized it's definitely a practice that has to be learned. So because I was like almost forced to, obviously out of my own will, but forced to continue meditation throughout this whole like 30-day practice, I learned over time that you can't be discouraged the first, you know, time period that you begin meditating because it's going to be really hard. It's something that you can't just push yourself into and be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to meditate and be so zen. I'm going to forget about everything. I'm going to feel so at peace because for the most part, and at least for myself, it definitely didn't work that way. It almost felt harder to meditate during these times because I was giving my mind a chance to slow down and really observe all of the anxiety and fears that I have, but of course the goal was to allow them to just be there, not judge, not, you know, attached to these thoughts. So the aim is to allow yourself to observe your thoughts and to learn that your thoughts are not reality. They can be uncontrollable. They can be very compulsive. They can be very intrusive for the most part. I think majority of people in the world deal with really ongoing, compulsive, intrusive, and uncomfortable thoughts throughout the day. And Some people attach to these thoughts and some people don't. We don't get to choose our thoughts. We don't get to choose how often thoughts come up and we don't get to dictate what these thoughts are. So the act of meditation is supposed to teach you that you don't have to attach to these thoughts because one, we don't get to control them and two, our thoughts are not us. Our brains are like wired in crazy ways. So you could be thinking about five years from now and creating anxiety in yourself versus thinking about the present moment through meditation and realizing there's actually no fear happening right now in this moment. And that's kind of what the act of meditation was supposed to teach you. So like I said, it's important to not connect yourself to the thoughts and understand that you're not your thoughts. And sometimes the hardest battles are between yourself and your thoughts. And that was a hard pill for me to swallow. My experience was really hard. Some meditation sessions left me even more anxious because I was connecting to these thoughts and I was like really internalizing them. And then other meditation sessions left me feeling more calm. Also sometimes nothing changed. I started and ended in the same like level of anxiety or level of like happiness whatever it was. And sometimes I just felt tired. I realized that too a lot of the moments. I was like, "Hmm, I'm literally just feel like I could take a nap right now." So, very very up and down conclusions when it came to meditating every day, but I think I definitely got a grasp. And this was only 30 days. Like, I feel like you have to be meditating for a lot longer to really 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 feel the effects in your day-to-day life because like I said it's a practice when you're doing this in meditation and you really get a grasp on how to observe your thoughts and observe yourself and your emotions and everything that is kind of appearing in your mind, then it becomes something that can be done a lot more effortlessly. It becomes something that can be done a lot more effortlessly in your day-to-day life, not just when you're meditating, right? Just when you're going about your day and you have thoughts pop up that might start creating stress, might start creating anxiety, And you sit there and rather than being consumed by those thoughts, you're able to observe them as, okay, these are just thoughts, you know, I don't need to have an emotional reaction to these thoughts. Everything sounds much easier said than done, but the practice of meditation actually makes these things possible to do in your day-to-day life. So I've definitely become a much more of a fan of meditation since then, but also since the end of the book, I definitely have not been meditating as much I still have um but before I was doing it every single day and now I'll probably catch myself doing it like three times a week I want to up the ante on that doing this podcast is reminding me I need to stay much more consistent with it because it's definitely not a practice I've mastered the next thing I learned in the book is something that you guys have probably heard 500 million thousand times and it's the element of gratitude everyone knows this everyone's heard how being grateful can change your mindset and I actually saw a story post the other day, and this kind of will give you a more scientific approach if you guys are more science-based. I don't know. It it rang kind of, like, true in my own mind. So, the post said... When we enter into a grateful state of mind, our brain releases dopamine and serotonin, the two crucial happiness neurotransmitters. Studies have shown that a consistent gratitude practice can decrease your risk of depression and anxiety and improve your mood in both an immediate and long-lasting way. So, gratitude basically helps to channel your energy in a positive direction, even when you don't necessarily feel very grateful for a situation or something that's going on in your life that makes you feel negative, you have to, in order to actually feel grateful and and have gratitude, you have to treat this certain situation or encounter or whatever might have happened to you as the best thing that could happen for you in this moment, okay? There's levels to gratitude. There's, you know, waking up, and this is a practice that I've tried to do recently, Waking up and writing down five things that you're grateful for. That could be I'm grateful for beautiful weather today. I'm grateful for a nice, comfortable home, a nice, comfortable room. I'm grateful for my friends. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for the people that love me. But then there's another level of gratitude that's almost more difficult for us to tap into because we are so negatively hardwired, and that's just the way you know, a lot of us are, unless we practice this, Um, probably based on our society and how we grew up. But there's another level when something that you might see as negative is happening to you in your life. Okay, let's use my struggles of anxiety as an example. When you look at this situation, all you can really see is negativity, right? You can only see like, oh, I'm suffering. I'm having a really hard time. I don't feel like well mentally. I don't have enough motivation for my day-to-day tasks because I'm feeling so anxious. If you were to shift into a more positive mindset and a, and a mindset of more gratitude, you might look at that situation and be like, I'm grateful that I'm experiencing this hard situation right now so I'm able to learn from it. I know that I might be experiencing more anxiety right now because there's parts of me that I need to heal, and I'm grateful that I have the opportunity, the resources, and people around me to support me while I'm trying to heal this part of myself right now. Because I know that it's happening for me. It's happening at this specific moment in time in my life so that I can be better in the future, so that I can learn certain lessons in the future, so that I can feel more healed in the future for whatever's to come. It's another level of gratitude. It's another level of looking at things that you might see negative in your life and try to put a positive touch, a positive spin on it. It's hard, let me tell you, when you're struggling. It's hard when something bad happens to you, when you're going through a breakup, when one of your friends might've done something to you and hurt you, when you're arguing a lot with your family, when you might've just lost your job. It's so difficult to look at these situations and put a spin of gratitude on them. But that's the whole gist of this. That's the whole gist of practicing gratitude every single day so that your brain slowly starts to hardwire itself in a way that even when negative things happen to you, you're able to look at them with a positive spin and with an element of gratitude. So, Ready to pop the question? that you can start to believe things are happening for you. They're not happening against you. When I was working on gratitude throughout these 30 days, I was writing down every day five things that I was grateful for at whatever point of the day it was and normally after my meditation. I really noticed over time I was able to shift my thoughts to a more positive light and even over more time I actually felt more positive when it came down to the situations that I was in. It's actually a lot harder to question your situation or whatever's like currently happening to you in your life and try and find positive elements that could be in it. But like I always say, the harder things in life are actually the better things. So when things are hard, just know you're doing the right thing because I don't think life was meant to be easy. So really sitting there reflecting Sometimes writing down makes it easier for you to even mentally process or think about it. And writing these elements of gratitude, they could be as simple as my examples at the beginning. I'm grateful for a beautiful day. But when you do have negative situations come into your life, try and think about what are the positive elements in this negative situation? What can I take positively from it and say that I'm grateful for? Very interesting. Very, very interesting. And I think when you're working on gratitude, try and focus on those elements and then say you're grateful for everything else that, you know, the simple things in life as well. Because of course we have to be grateful for those things because a lot of the times we look way past the things that we have already in our lives. The next element I learned after gratitude was the idea of receiving freely. This one was a little harder for me to wrap my head around. I think it was more of a complex um, subject. To be taught but basically it's the idea that you need to be open to what life gives you no matter what it is now this goes for constructive criticism from a person maybe a compliment from someone maybe someone's giving you money maybe someone's giving you a gift even when you feel like you might not deserve it or when you feel like you don't want it to actually be open to receiving whatever it is from the universe from people around you Like I said, receiving can be so many different things, but it's the idea specifically of opening yourself up to the idea of energy circulation, which means what we receive freely, we can give out freely. And they talk more about that in future chapters, which I'll get into, of giving. But right now, the focus was being able to receive. To practice this, I had to say thank you to someone every single day. So what I would do is send them a text or say it in person. And it actually allows you to start thinking and be more aware of what people are actually giving to you. A lot of times we don't think about it. People give you their time. They give you a helping hand. They give you their advice. They give you anything, right? And saying thank you brings you so much peace almost because it lets another person know how much you've appreciated their help, their time, whatever they gave you, and also reminds you to not take things for granted. When you keep yourself open to receiving things, you can also receive more positivity because you are showing so much more appreciation for the things that you are receiving. So, of course, you're going to get more, baby. I'm sure there's some law of attraction that's going on with that but that's the concept for this one a little bit more complex I was sitting there and reflecting on that one a lot more because I was just like hmm I don't really understand like why do I have to say thank you to people not that I don't say thank you but I think the purpose of this was to make us more aware of saying thank you make us more aware of what it is that we are receiving from people on a day-to-day life that for the most part we just might not think about appreciate or even like acknowledge this next one was one of my favorites only because I think it was one of the most challenging ones for myself, but also the most rewarding. And this chapter was about slowing down, not rushing through life. Definitely one of the more interesting practices in terms of what I learned throughout this book. Like I talked about before, when it comes to me and my anxiety, I feel like I am in constant go mode. I need to constantly be distracting my mind from the inevitable anxious thoughts and the worries that stream through me like on a day-to-day. So slowing down was actually extremely hard for me to learn. The practice itself was to find one or more activities during the day that you could really slow down, be present, and notice every action, emotion, and thought that occurs during that moment. It was really, really hard for me to successfully actually stay present in certain moments And also to not feel like I was constantly in a rush. But when I was able to practice this on a regular basis, I did find it so unbelievably refreshing. Like when I was actually able to do it. Because in reality, we're all not actually in a rush. I feel like there's just so much anxiety and worries that fluctuate in people's lives because there's this intense feeling of like feeling like we're left behind in life and that we need to do everything in one day to be where we want to be but I think that there is actually so much beauty in slowing down and appreciating the present moment that you're in and I also noticed that you actually have to be very very committed to the act of slowing down to make it a practice in your day-to-day life because if you don't think about slowing down you're not going to if you don't make a conscious effort to really focus on an activity that you're doing in a certain moment and be so extremely present, then you're going to continue to rush by. How many times have you gone about your day doing something that feels almost like muscle memory that you're not even thinking about it, right? You're not even thinking about what you're doing in the moment, your thoughts are elsewhere. They're in the past or they're in the future. They're worried about one of two things. Even if you don't feel like you're actually stressed out in the moment, your brain is pre-thinking something that could happen. It's preparing you for something. It's reminding you have to do something or it's thinking about the past. It's thinking about what you've done recently. It's thinking about memories, you know. You're not actually focused on what's going on right now in your life. So, the act of slowing down was actually taking a certain activity and what I would do normally, like what I would choose as my activity during this um, practice was um, to remove any distractions and slow down during my morning routine, my night routine, or making breakfast. Something as simple as that. That, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I'll be playing music. Sometimes I'll be listening to a podcast. Sometimes I'll literally bring my laptop into my bathroom, lay it on my counter, and watch a TV show while I'm doing my skincare or getting like doing my makeup or whatever it is because I don't know that's just the way that I do things like that's just the way that I function so that's why it was so difficult for me because I'm so used to being distracted and not actually thinking about these little activities that I'm doing throughout the day so actually slowing down and doing them was a matter of like thinking okay I'm gonna go grab my hairbrush. I'm gonna brush my hair. What does it sound like? What does it feel like? What are the sensations that are going through me right now? Like really being so present, almost thinking about your five senses and what you're noticing with your five senses in that moment. I don't know why it's so crazy. I don't think people do it. I could be the insane one or we could all be insane because I genuinely don't spend enough time in my day-to-day life actually focusing on things that are happening in front of me unless they're really taking up my brain power you know what i mean unless i'm working unless i'm like really like for example doing something like right now obviously i'm so focused on doing this because i have to use my brain to do it but for a lot of things that don't really require a lot of brain function like brushing your teeth or cooking yourself breakfast your thoughts go elsewhere so for those types of activities it's like wow i actually need to focus on being present or else my thoughts will go in whatever way and I won't actually be focused on the current moment right now. I think doing this made me learn to appreciate smaller moments a lot more than I did before and how much peace you can actually find in slowing down in these moments and also that you shouldn't always be looking for the next big moment but really appreciate these smaller moments that you have because we can look at these things like mundane very mundane tasks. But when you actually become present in the moment, they're kind of beautiful and peaceful. I'm not gonna lie. Next one I learned, which was also actually very hard for me, (laughs) was the concept of being patient. Patience is the root of slowing down. And in times where inconveniences happen, and I think it is the most important to recognize patience when inconveniences happen in your life or when you're waiting on something someone a situation whatever it might be and the opposite of patience impatience at the end of the day is the attachment to an outcome or the timing of a certain situation so letting go of that and really practicing those patience muscles in your mind is to one recognize that change is constant and we all have very little control over what's going on in our lives two changing a negative reaction to something to a more positive one because we all know with an example of something that requires the most patience i'd like to say in your life is traffic if we're using a very simple example actually changing that negative reaction to traffic to something a little more positive. Like, okay, you know what? It's just traffic. It gives me more time to relax. It gives me time to maybe listen to a song. Maybe be more present in this moment. Maybe call up a friend. I don't know. Whatever it might be. Not have such a negative reaction to things that are out of your control, right? And then also remembering that you have to make necessary adjustments to what you expect out of people and situations. You can't expect people to make adjustments for what we expect of them or situations to adjust for us, right? So overall, the idea of patience is kind of loosening your attachment to how people should be or how situations should go. And the longer that you practice patience, the better things will look in your eyes. The better situations will look in your eyes, right? With the traffic example, if you know there's going to be traffic at a certain hour, remember you can readjust yourself, but you can't readjust your expectations of the traffic. You can't, you know, think, no, the traffic should change actually at 6 p.m. There shouldn't be as many people on there, so I'm just going to go home at the same time and hope that there's no traffic. Chances of that happening, slim to none. But what you can do is control yourself and say, Maybe I'm going to wait out rush hour. I'm going to stay here a little longer. I'm going to go home at 7. There won't be as much traffic and I won't have to deal with it. If we go through the whole recognizing, reorienting, and remembering in terms of something like, let's say, we're waiting on our friend to come over. They're always late. They're taking forever. They're really annoying. We can recognize that we have little control over the situation, we can't control how quickly this person gets ready, how quickly they're able to make it to your house, okay? So that should relieve some concept of like, oh my god, I'm so annoyed type of thing. Reorienting is changing the way that you look at it, you know? It's not the fucking end of the world if they're late. If they're coming over and they're late to head out to a party, they're late to head out to a dinner, regardless of what it is, it's not the end of the world. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt anyone else. It's just annoying at the end of the day, right? And remembering that we need to make necessary adjustments to what we expect of people. If this person's always 15 minutes late, Tell them to be there 15 minutes earlier. You can't control how quickly they get ready, but you can control the time that you tell them, therefore they will make it on the right time if you know they're always late. And also realizing that sometimes when you have absolutely no control of a situation, let's say you can't, you know, adjust something or a situation based on yourself, just realizing some things are meant to happen. Sometimes you're being protected from other situations. Okay, if your flight got delayed, let's say the universe, this one's kind of out there, but let's say the universe is protecting you from your baggage that could have been lost if you got onto that plane. Or if the flight wasn't delayed, then there was a screw loose and the plane comes crashing down. Okay, I think about that all the time. I'm not going to lie. I think about the amount of times I've been saved from a crashing plane. I don't know. It, It brings you peace when you think about it in these ways. Maybe that one was kind of far out. I'm not too sure. So the very last kind of learning point of this book is to close out the cycle of circulation I was talking about to give freely. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'd say I'm a pretty average giver. I don't think I give extreme amounts and I don't think I take extreme amounts, but I think I give as much as I think about giving. When I have the idea of like, oh, let me grab this for my friend. I'm sure she'd like it. Let me bring this over for my boyfriend. I think he'd appreciate it. Let me go help my mom do this. I think she'd appreciate it. I only give as much as I actually think about giving. So when you heighten your awareness to giving, you in turn are able to give more. When you're actually thinking about completing the circulation of receiving and giving into the world, back from the world, whatever it might be, then you are more likely to give. And what this book kind of talks about is the connection between what happens when you meditate, it strengthens the connection between us and everyone else. And in turn, it gives you a more spontaneous urge to give, which is an interesting connection to make because the act of meditation, hopefully, you know, the goal is to make you feel closer to yourself and to also realize that, everybody has the ability to do what you're doing. Everybody has the ability to feel closer to themselves, which makes us connected to everybody else. And through that, you have more of an urge to give to other people. You remember to give to other people more and more. My experience with giving was so interesting for me because I was just so surprised that I don't think about giving as much as I would like to. Like I said, I only thought about it in certain moments and a lot of the times this might sound kind of bad, but I almost feel like I give only when I feel like is necessary or is expected of me rather than giving out of the goodwill of your heart or just because you have that urge right and I think reading that chapter in the book and focusing more on giving in my day-to-day life strengthen that urge to give so much more like I would just go out with my friends and I'd be like let me you know let me buy you that or like let me buy you this drink or even when you're tipping your waiter let me give them a little extra tip why why not Because the concept of the book kind of strengthened the idea of circulation so much. Like, what you give into the world, you will receive back tenfold. And you know what? I'm not going to be ridiculous and say, let me go spend all of the freaking money I have because I want to get ten times more of this. I don't think that's the purpose of giving. I don't think that the purpose of giving is to receive. But... I do think that the purpose of giving is to strengthen your connection to other people and also it just makes you feel fucking good. I don't know. It felt like Christmas for some reason and I would do the littlest things. Like I really wouldn't give people like presents or like crazy shit. I would just do things like I said, like small things like let me buy you this drink or let me, you know, pay for your food. Let me, um, you know, give give this waiter an extra tip. Let me get... Something special for you. I don't know, just random things because now I was much more conscious of the concept of giving and much more conscious of how much I wanted to give to other people and a lot happier when I would give because it was not something that anyone asked me for. It was something I thought of myself and wanted to do myself. Okay. So that was the concept of giving. It also puts receiving and giving in full circle to be very open to receiving things from people because you are giving just as much to everyone around you. And I don't know, for me, it made me feel whole. I can't lie. I really was a fan of those two concepts when they came together full circle. I was like, okay, now I'm understanding the receiving a little bit more and I'm really like grasping everything as a whole. But that was my experience with the book because those are all the subjects that we got to learn. And I... I'm not going to lie to you guys and say I'm literally so happy now, <laughs> but I am so much more knowledgeable about these things and what it takes to strengthen the inner muscles, quote unquote, inside of you to in turn feel happier in your day-to-day life. And I do think, in my own opinion, that meditation, that that idea of like thought and not connecting to thoughts and slowing down are like some of the more important and valuable lessons that I took from that and definitely the ones that I think that I will be focusing the most on in like my upcoming life and future because those are the ones that I feel like I want to strengthen the most in my life. Overall I definitely feel happier than when I started that book but I also know that it requires practice and it requires Um, consistency, which is a bit of a challenge for me. I can't lie, consistency is definitely not my strong suit, but I am also very passionate about making myself a better person for myself. In turn, other people will enjoy me more because I feel happier with myself, so I'm gonna make consistency in these aspects, a lot more important in my life, and I hope you guys kind of were able to take something from that without actually reading the whole book if you're not a reader. If this intrigued you, go read the book, obviously, because I gave you just a scratch and sniff sticker version of it. This isn't sponsored, by the way. I just really liked this book, and I didn't know how else to describe it to you. So, anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope you guys got something from this, Um, and yeah, I guess that's about it for me. I hope you have a wonderful day and I will talk to you in my next episode. Bye.